guess it's my turn, right? That's all I, that's all I know when I'm at my place of service at Rancho Village is I join in the music. I love every bit of it. And when they get down, it's my turn to get up. What they don't know is I'm older now, and to have me stand through the whole thing and then stand through the whole preaching, I work harder than you think I do. <laughs> it's, uh, uh, but it, it's wonderful. I'd rather, I'd rather worship on Sunday morning with a body of believers than anything else in the world, literally. And so I'm glad to be here with you. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to kill two birds with one stone this morning. I am going to preach the gospel. Uh, I'm going to stay kind of on the theme that DJ has, been start, has just started. Uh, I'm also going to talk to you about what the Baptist Foundation of Oklahoma has to offer you. All of it's very, very important. And so I, I hope you'll give me ear and, and let me speak. I've known DJ since, uh, since he was born. Uh, his mom and dad, my wife and I have been friends for quite some period of time. Uh, over the years, he's even been able to beat me at golf once or twice. Not very much. Uh, however, uh, I had a had that C-word diagnosis three years ago, and so now he knows he can beat me anytime he wants to. Uh, but you have a, a good, gentle man serving here as pastor at First Baptist Church of Bristow. Now, I've, I'm no stranger to Bristow. I pastored at Milfay for five and a half years. I'm assuming some of y'all know where Milfay is. Uh, I pastored east over here at Beggs for three years. Before I went to Oklahoma City, that now I've been there, if the Lord allows, till October, we'll make 30 years at Rancho Village Baptist Church. And I've experienced a lot of things. I, I've, I've preached here, actually, two or three different times, a, a revival time, and did an evangelism conference here while Pastor Mark Estep was here. Now, that's been a long time ago. I don't know if any of you actually remember those days or not, but, uh, but it's been a while. Texted him a while ago to remind him that I was preaching in his old stomping grounds, and he said to say hi, so hello. I've done my duty. I'm also here uh, on behalf primarily of the Lord Jesus Christ. And from the messenger of Christ, I say to you, God bless you, and uh, let's... Take the time this morning to listen and to hear how it is that God can bring us together and do something uniquely different through us all than he can do through just one of us as an individual. If you have your Bible, turn please to the book of 1 Kings chapter 5. If you have your cell phone, click into whatever Bible app you use and, and hold it up and show me that it's a Bible app and not the latest uh, game that you're going to play, all right? Uh, I have found out that from time to time when the other guys are preaching in my pulpit at home, uh, sometimes I'm just running around and I forget to go back to the office and grab my Bible before they preach. And so I, I use my cell phone, too, and I reassure them that I'm not playing Pac-Man or something like that. 
Yeah, Pac-Man. I don't play the things y'all play. So, all right. First Kings chapter 5, beginning with verse 1. Would you please stand with me while I read this? And I'm reading out of the New King James Version. And uh, so it'll go pretty close along with whatever you're reading from. Scripture says in verse 1, Now Hiram, king of Tyre, sent his servants to Solomon, because he heard that they had anointed him king in place of his father, for Hiram had always loved David. Then Solomon sent to Hiram, saying, You know how my father David could not build a house for the name of the Lord his God because of the wars which were fought against you on every side until the Lord put his foes under the soles of his feet. But now the Lord my God has given me rest on every side. There is neither adversity nor evil occurrence. And behold, I propose to build a house for the name of the Lord my God. And the Lord spoke to my father David, saying, Your son whom I will set on the throne in your place, he shall build the house for my name. Father, help us this morning to realize this is a beautiful building. It is a useful building. It is a multi-purpose building. This worship center uh, brings attention to, to holiness, but remind us that the, the brick and the mortar and the sweat and the tears and the sacrifice of offerings were given before we came along. Been able to do several things in this process and there will be so much more yet before us. And we want to grab hold of the, of the understanding David could not do it. Solomon was assigned to it and because of that the kingdom was blessed. So guide us here today to understand that in Christ's name, amen. I, I want to talk about the house of God because, folks, things are changing. I don't know if you recognize that or not, but they're changing, and they're changing more rapidly now than they did when I was a kid or when some of you were kids. I, I uh, mentioned I have five kids. I do. My Oldest daughter's 40, yeah, 40. Uh, my oldest son is 36. And this month, my middle son, middle child, is going to turn 16, and my daughter 15, and my youngest daughter will be 12. Now, we adopted, okay? So um, I used to try to show off that it doesn't work. But... <laughs> But we adopted these three. It has been the blessing of our life. And, and, I, and I can tell you something, two things. One, it's easier to raise them when you're young. <laughs> I promise you. And another thing is that things are not like they used to be. Things have changed so rapidly. I remember the day, now let me go back to the old times, how about it? I remember the day when I doubt seriously that First Baptist Bristow locked their doors. Does anybody remember those days? It was a church. Why would you lock the door on the church? In fact, it would almost have been her her uh, heretic to have locked the doors on your church. But today, uh, we assign one of the staff guys that he it's his responsibility, the, the janitor leaves before we do. So this our younger guy, he always gets the junk stuff it's his problem uh, 
he, he has to go around and make sure all the doors are locked. If he doesn't, we'll have people camping out in the building, and we'll have people having parties in the building. It's just, it's, it's just so different. Uh, when I went to school, and I did, believe it or not, even in East Arkansas, we had schoolhouses, and when I went to school, uh, riding the bus was, I mean, one of the safest places you could be. You could go to sleep, or you could talk to the guy next to you, or you could do whatever. But today, my younger kids ride the bus home. We, we get them out, but they ride the bus back. And I'm a nervous wreck every day. Fights are breaking out on those buses for absolutely no reason. Drug deals are done on those buses on the high school level. And, and it just really it, it frightens me. It, there is nothing compared to raising kids 40 and 50 and 60 years ago as it is today. Neither is it the same when you look at the building. When used to, you, you drove by a town and you saw the church building. I mean, it brought a little pity patter to your heart. Even the, even the lost people wouldn't treat the house of God with disrespect. Today, it, nothing matters. Um, there is no code of ethics, hardly. Even in the church. Now, I know if I start talking much about that, that I'm going to get on somebody's toes. I really don't want to step on your toes, especially if you're wearing sandals. Uh, because I, I don't know how much I care about that, except trying to bring the attention to the fact that things have so changed. Now, let me now go back to David. David wanted so bad to build a house for his God, to his God. And, and honor him in the, in the greatest way that he could. But David was a warrior, right? And God told him, David, your bloody hands won't allow that to happen. But I will, I will assign it to your son Solomon. Solomon will build a house. Your son will build the house. Others will build the house. You just cannot do that. Well, David wanted so much to be a part of that that David then began to put things into the storehouse. And, and lay it up for the day when God assigns Solomon to be king. And then Solomon is able to, because the finances have always been there and, and uh, stored up and ready for the building of the house of God. Now, folks, you have a beautiful building here. I had not been through all of it. You've done several things since the, the number of years that, that I've uh, come through here. But, uh, but you, have, you have a beautiful building, uh, numerous uses for this building. And, and you know what it's like to kind of try to bring money together to raise the funds in order to, to pay for this kind of work. And not everybody's always in favor of it whenever it is time to do it. There are struggles that just uh, boggle the imagination sometimes. So, so, so here's, here's David in preparation, and Solomon ready to receive his call to do just that. Because from early time, we've always, we've needed, man has needed that place to worship God. Now, if you get real super spiritual on me, you'll tell me, well now, preacher, 
I can worship God at home. And I've had a few people tell me that. And I said, well, I know that, but I got another question for you. Do you? <laughs> they always look at you funny when you ask them that. And then they guess what they always answer? Well, yeah. But, but they still don't come to worship at the church, which is terrible because the Hebrew writer says, forsake not the assembling of yourselves together as the manner of some is, and even so the more as that day is approaching. So no, you're not allowed, not by God. You, God don't give you permission to come and go to church as you please. It, it is a responsibility. Man's always needed to come together and worship together and find this local place where we can build our lives together, where we can, can sustain a relationship with a holy God and honor and glorify Him by singing together. And my, was it Melissa? Didn't she do a beautiful job? I love that. I, believe it or not, I know most of those. I know, I know. I just barely old enough. Nah, I ain't going to try that one. Uh, but, hey, I love the new music. I love the old music. I love the new music. I love music that honors the Lord. And I've got kids, and I can tell you something. If, you, uh, if you're going to complain about the music, you're going to have to complain to somebody else. I want the kids to enjoy singing worship to the Lord, too. Okay? Come on. I'll get off of that box. Get back over on this other box. Even though... There are things that are coming ahead of you. In the ministerial needs of the town of Bristow, the community of Bristow, and all around you, and the family of First Baptist Church of Bristow, there are some of you who are not going to be around long enough to see it happen. That's when you really start coming to grips with what our responsibility is. Is. Now, let me tell you real quick, let me throw a commercial in here just a second about why, why I'm here. Uh, I'm here because I've been talking to DJ about his need for estate planning, and I've talked to his daddy. I, that, that's my job. I talk to a lot of people anymore, but, but about, about estate planning, he's already got his started. He's, he's kind of uh, slow about getting it all done. It's, it's not the... the most fun thing to do when you get to thinking about it, but it's the most important thing you can do, especially if you uh, uh, have any kind of family, uh, little babies, anything else that's so important to do. So DJ's already in that process, but uh, also to say, you know what, we have something to offer to the whole church family. If you do an estate plan, I'm going to do this right now so you'll know there are some things back there on that table that I want you to grab and you can, you can pick up whatever you want. One of the most important things is this little piece of paper here. It has room for your name and address, email address, uh, phone numbers and things. If you'd be interested in, in talking to me or someone else about starting an estate plan, then you need to fill this out. And here's what we'll do. We will help you do your will and or trust, and we will pay $500 of it. Now that, that's a pretty good deal. Most people's estate can be done for $500 with a will. If you choose the trust, it may go a little further. But even greater than that is two things. One is that, uh, and Pam and I get excited about this. One is when that day comes, that's going to be the biggest gift she and I have ever been able to give to the church. 
I like that idea. And the second thing is that uh, when that time comes, that whatever I do give to the church, it, it goes into an endowment. And I'm asking, I set it up that way. It goes into an endowment that the church already has set up. And so my money will be given an over and over and over and over and over and over, way past my lifetime until Jesus comes. And none of us know when that's going to be. But it's a, it's a wonderful opportunity that you can have. There's another piece of paper back there about how we can help. If you're on the stewardship or one of personnel or one of the deacons, you might want to grab that piece of paper and look it over because it's pretty important. And if you say, well, I'm really a little bit afraid to get started with this thing, then grab this worksheet and just look. You'll find out how simple it really is to uh, put this together. You can go to the website and you can do, you can, you can put your will and trust together uh, with a few clicks of a button. It took me about, um, oh, I don't know, altogether, I think I might have taken an hour, and maybe an hour and a half uh, to finish mine, okay? So there's your commercial. And it's all sitting back there on that table. There's some other things. Just grab them uh, as you leave today to remember me uh, and remember what we're doing. So here's, here's what I want to keep talking about concerning the household of God. Because if, if you come alongside us with the Baptist Foundation, if you come alongside us and you make those kind of provisions, then we're asking you to leave a 10% gift to, to a charitable gift to some religious organization, I'm suggesting you leave it to your church because you're going to be able to continue to minister and do through your gift giving and for the ministry at First Baptist Church of Bristol again till, till the horn blows, till Jesus comes. And so here's one thing I, I, I want you to recognize. Here's why, the, here's why the house of God is important. Here's why you and I become important to the, the physical house, not not you and me, the living church, but the physical building, the meeting place of God. First of all, it is for the protection of the house of God. We, we give for that reason. It, I know we don't like to talk about money. That's one of the last things. I don't know why, but it's one of the last things that Christians want to hear about. But if you would dare read the New Testament, and if you would dare put a mark beside everywhere Jesus talked something about finances, or the Apostle Paul talked something about finances, or John, or Peter, or anyone in the Scripture who makes a reference to anything financial, you'll find out it is the most talked about subject in the New Testament. You say, I don't think so. I think heaven is. No, heaven's one of the least talked about. Now, you know that? Heaven, the grandest gift, the most exciting part about being a believer is that one day he's going to take us home. But he doesn't spend as much time talking about it as he does those things that matters so much that here today in order to to do the ministry in order to do the work we have to do that which protects the house of God now if if you've ever served on some of these committees around here you have, you've already understood how that the utilities companies do not care how big your budget is or whether you met it last week or last month, or whether you anticipate meeting it next month. They don't care, because they're going to get their money from you one way or the other. 
I think that's something people forget. And you're going to get your Sunday school literature because we believe as a body of believers it's important to have that Sunday school literature in your hands so that you can study together and understand together the things that God is bringing before us that we can learn together as a church family and hopefully prayerfully make us stronger, prepare us better for the time that we step out into this world. In the Old Testament, the, the Levites were responsible for all of this. It was their daily responsibility. It was their, it was their headache. It was their worry. But, but today it's been shifted to you. Your responsibility. And you can, you can read it again from cover to cover. Not only did the Levites have the responsibility of of distribution and, and upkeep and all the things that was designed for, for that to do. But all the people of Israel, too, in their giving of the offerings was to make sure that the Levites could do what they were assigned by God to do. And I can tell you on, on DJ's behalf, as a pastor, He has, whole, he has the whole picture in his mind all the time. I, I love to, to hear people talk about how they went on vacation and boy, they had a good time and they didn't have no worries in the world. Well, I've gone on vacations before too. And, and cell phones have ruined more vacations than anything I've ever heard of. Because not only do I not get to leave the church mentally, now I can't even leave the church verbally. And so all the time my focus is on the church. Now I'm, I'm not complaining as much as it might sound. It would be nice to have some real uh, quiet time every once in a while. But what I'm asking you to recognize is the fact that we come together protecting this house of God in such a way as to know that every one of us have that responsibility. And if you'll come and work with us, or let us work with you with the Baptist Foundation, setting up some kind of endowment allows this work to go on. Rancho Village Baptist Church is not a wealthy church. We don't have any business people. Uh, we don't have anyone who has inherited millions of dollars. We just don't have them. But I saw 20 years ago how life was changing for us. And over the years, the older generation, of course, has died off. I've done well over 300 funerals at Rancho Village Baptist Church in these 29-plus years. And, and many of them were faithful givers who, who were committed. It was that generation who... Who, uh, who, was, who were always there. And I began to see how upon their death, you know, not only were they not there any longer, their tithe was not there any longer, but their kids didn't help anything either. And so started bringing a foundation in with me uh, way before I started working with them. And today, because of setting up small endowments, many people, uh, you're talking $1,000, dollars $10,000 maybe, of the estate that was given to Rancho Village Baptist Church through that endowment. And today we have over $300,000 in an endowment that if it wasn't for that, God would do what God chooses to do. But I know that God chose to use that uh, process 
to enable us that when these disbursements are made every February, the disbursements are made to the churches or to the ministries that, that we support. And uh, when we do that, and then we get a check for about $15,000. And that is a big help toward the things like utilities and maintenance. And, and the insurance bill on a building like this is crazy. So, and I want to be a part of that. I, I'm, I plan to die. I mean, I am not a stupid man. I, I saw a long time ago that everybody that got old sooner or later died. I, I figured that out. We were born. We will die. And when I found out I could do more or I could still do something on my death rather than hand my kids the $35 inheritance and have them blow it on one night out, I can give in a new way, and it, and it allows that money to just continue to give and to give and to give and to give. It is an amazing thing. You really need to take time to check that out. So I want to be part of protecting the house of God. You know, what if, what if you were allowed to come back 50 years from now? There's some of you who are not going to be sitting in this pew 50 years from now. But what if you were allowed to come back and just glance around the church and you found out that nobody did anything. Nobody took any preparation to set up like this endowment I'm talking about. Nobody did anything uh, like leaving instructions through their will and or, or trust to make sure that the ministry continued on. I'll tell you what you'd find. In fact, I could go show you some of those buildings, especially in Oklahoma City. Crumbled up driveways. Brick that's falling off. Steeples that are barely recognizable as steeples because the finer pieces have gone. Shrubbery that has outgrown the windows. It's a terrible thing. I don't want that to happen to the church where I have planted the last 30 years of my life. This building means something. I used to say, I, I was the world's worst, I think. Now, people... This building is not the church. You are the church. Theologically, I'm correct, right? We're the church. This is the building where the church meets. And, and I used to say that just so emphatically, and, and I would make sure that you understood it. Boy, I said over and over and over again. Until one time, a very good friend of mine, down the street from us, I was leaving work, and... And I turned south toward my house, and in my mirror, a couple of miles back, I couldn't tell exactly how far, a billowing black smoke in my rearview mirror. <clears throat> and, uh, and I just kept driving, going home, because I, I'm not a firefighter. I couldn't do anything about it. And so I, I knew I'd hear it on the news. And so I pulled up at the house, and sure enough, the news, a special report. They had broken in. The Exchange Avenue Baptist Church on Exchange and Penn, South Oklahoma City, had caught fire and was burning. Very old building. And so that there's just no way that they just couldn't save the thing. It was a total disaster. Only sections of it were they able to save. And when I saw him on camera and I saw his tears and I saw him say, we'll rebuild, we'll rebuild. I believe that was the turning point in my life to say, you know what, 
I need the place where I meet with the church to worship my God. Yes, I can worship in my living room. And yes, sometimes I do. Yes, I can worship on the golf course. And no, I never have. Concentrating on that last shot. It's always the last one that bugs me. But when I drive up to the place where I worship every Sunday morning, or even here at your place where that I knew I was going to gather with you, it's, it's just the same feeling. What a privilege to know that those before us did such a magnificent work and gave so that you could remodel in the manner that you did. This is pretty. I love this. Uh, but there are some people who had already gone on, who had given for this to happen, who did not see it happen. And I'm telling the truth, right? There are some people who never got to see what they gave their money to do. Because why? Because they knew there would need preparation for the house of God. People come alongside and say, listen, I, I love your father. I want to make something available. Gifts come in that way. I loved your former pastor. I want to give a gift. They come in that way. I, I love your minister of what? Youth, music, pastoral minister, whatever. I want to give to that project. It always happens just that way. So there's the protection of the house of God. There's also a reason for us to fulfill the purpose of the house of God. Now, listen, we don't, we don't exist just to sit in a nice building and, and to enjoy the comfort of the pew or the air conditioner or heat, whichever is needed for the moment. We don't exist just to hear a perfectly tuned volume. These guys up there are doing a good job of controlling volume, whether we're singing or or speaking, that's very, very important in the ministry too. So, so that's not the only thing we're doing. In, in this, the purpose of this house is to help give people security. I, I feel secure in the house of God. Yes, I know the tragic stories of recent past. And what a tragedy those stories are. And it may happen again. That's that change I was talking to in the beginning. Things have changed. But indeed, we still have this place where we feel such a sense of security. Because I, I go there and not only do I sit with my wife and our, our three little kids, but my daughter and son-in-law also attend with us. So got my two grandbaby girls with us there. And, and that's all a lot of fun. The son's a youth minister over at another church and so they don't they don't attend with us but there is such a sense of security in this place and to have it right here right here in town identifiable i can talk about it i can say listen i i'm a member at first baptist church of bristow and there are others who would say around this community in particular, say, well, sure, I know where that is. Well, I drive by there all the time. And, and then the invitation, well, just come on and, and be with us. And you can, you can invite with surety because you know that in this 
place of safety, we can let down guards, we can hear from the Scripture, we can sing with our heart, and we can let God know we're ready now, Father, to you speak to us in whatever manner you so choose. Your son, whom I will set on the throne in your place, he will build my house for my name. There's a purpose in this, David, in you laying aside the gold and the silver and, the, and, and setting up alliances and allegiances for the cedar wood from Lebanon and, and uh, everything it is going to take to build this place for God. It ought to always be as beautiful as you can make it, and it should always be kept as beautiful as you can keep it. Because it is the house of God. And the renewed strength. Every Sunday, come here with an opportunity to, to be spiritually rejuvenated, socially reconnected, to take our kids to Falls Creek and let them experience a, a spiritual movement that there really is no other place that they're going to get that at least in the first several years of their life. And all of that being a purpose that God has brought us together to fulfill. And so who in here, who in a right mind, who, in a, who with a spiritual heart would dare to say, I don't really need to worry about that. After all, I'm going to be dead and gone and they can do with it what they want to uh, if the opportunity is there, I want a little bit to say about it. David said to Solomon. David instructed the future to build the house and build it with great glory. This is, this is 418 years after they left Egypt. They had worshipped God, but then they had to carry around a tent that's the only thing they had now they have the opportunity to build a place it took seven years to build that temple solomon the first uh, temple it took seven years to build that and i'm talking seven years with over thirty thousand men working on that thing six days a week it's a big task it's a big task to build a First Baptist Church. It's a big task to keep a First Baptist Church looking like a house of God. The need is there, the call is there, and the responsibility is yours. And I, my prayer always is that each of us would take our responsibility seriously. And, and, and in, in this same vain here as they began to work on it then I, I recognized too that the, the people were the ones who were challenged to keep this promise in the preparation and the giving of this temple same thing happened in Nehemiah's day where the people got so excited about having that place of God and having that place of identity and having that place of purpose and having that place of security they gave so willingly that they had to be told to stop. Now, 
I doubt that either of y'all have heard a stop sermon yet. Well, I'm not sure some of you have heard the start sermon yet. It may have been preached, but I'm not sure that you've heard it. It's a, it's a work that is always in progress, a work always to be excited about, a work that is always to be a part to be desired, to part to be part of. So they united in building the wilderness tabernacle, they united in building the temple of Solomon, and our forefathers united to build this church building here and every other part of this work that has been done. People have come together to get it done. What I'm offering you is not only a biblical mandate, but an opportunity to do it in a great way. I'm not asking you to give the foundation your money because the foundation will not take your money. Now, if you have, and I love all the work we do as Baptists, if you have uh, OBHC come out, and I love... Baptist Children's Work, if you have OBU come out, if you have Baptist Village come out, if you have a BGCO representative come out, well, these are the mission deals. They're going to come out saying, hey, give us your money. Here's what we're going to do with it. And I'm fine with that. I give to that. Give us your money and we're going to do it. If, if you'll work with us, we're going to say, here, let us show you how that we can take care of your money in a responsible way so that your money can come back to the work that you have assigned it to do through endowments so that First Baptist Church can continue to do its work for literally, well, again, till Jesus comes. It is a perpetual gift and, a, and just a joy to know that, that what you give, that's the way that it's going to be used perpetuity that's a great word it just means it never ends kind of like that little song right the song that never ends now, i don't want to get started on that because that song what it never ends so i, I don't want to do that but what i do want is just one last time to say back there on that table are some pretty important pieces of paper i'm going to hang around a while and uh and and i'd love to talk to you uh, again, here's, here's the challenge. I would love for you to pick up these three pieces of paper. This one, fill it out today and give it to me. We'll get an email back to you. We'll not bug you, but we'll give an email back to you showing you a link where you can go on the uh, Internet and start to work on your own personal estate planning. If you want to know what it is, here's the worksheet that's exactly what's on the Internet. And there are several copies of it back there. You can look at it and see it. It's not a complicated deal. I think there's only like five pages here, and it's uh, mostly words and no, not nearly as many blanks as you think you have to fill in. Excellent, easy way to get things done. And how we can help for the church. There are multitudes of ways, too many ways to, uh, to try to tell you all of them this morning. But above everything, you're not going to understand this. You're not going to understand the value of it. You're not going to understand the eternal significance of it 
if you yourself have not yet laid your life at the foot of the cross, if you have never trusted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you're just not going to see it. The picture is not going to be bright enough. Oh, you can still give money to good things, and I don't doubt that you would feel good about being part of the, of the work and things you see happen at this church, but it, but it could not give you a, an eternal comfort until you come to Jesus Christ, acknowledging Him to be your personal Lord and Savior today. Invitation's about to happen. Worship team are going to be here in just a moment. And I just want to open this invitation up with prayer. People will be in front here to meet you. Uh, again, after worship time, I'll be around that table and you can come speak to me. I'd love for you too. But before all of that happens, let's take, let's take, let's take care of the, the deeper matters. The deep matters are your spiritual future. If you're not a believer, if you're not a believer, you must come today. If you are a believer, but you've really not set your heart to glorify God, then you need to come repentant, restoring that hope and relationship with Jesus Christ. And whatever you do, glorify Him in this decision you're making today. Father in heaven, thank you now. Confident of your love for us and praying, Lord, that you'll bless this church everywhere the gospel is preached today, Lord. Pour out your spirit in a mighty and in a powerful way. As your invitation is called this morning, touch the hearts of those who are listening to me, the hearts of those who will sing together in just a moment. As we Go about our day, remind us of what we were here for, why we gathered together, and how very important it is to, to just look forward to every opportunity you give us. God, guide our heart. We'll trust you, serve you faithfully in Jesus' name. Amen.